So if you'll, if you'll turn your Bibles this morning to 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. I read a story about a man who was in prison. And this man was in prison for a crime that he had absolutely committed. In fact, not, he didn't even have to be proven guilty by a jury. He, he admitted his guilt openly in court. And, and when the man admitted his guilt in court, the judge had but one choice. And that choice was to sentence him to death for his crime. Now, we still have the death penalty today, but, but when this man admitted his guilt, see, death was more than likely going to come by an executioner chopping his head off. And that man's name is the Apostle Paul. See, he was in prison for a crime that he absolutely committed. And you know what that crime was to the Roman government? That was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's crime was, was not a heinous crime. It wasn't that he murdered somebody, stole from anybody, or done anything that we would consider to be a bad thing. All he did was try to tell the world about Jesus. And where did it get him but locked up in a Roman prison? And in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, Paul is giving his final greetings, his, his final instructions, his final words to his disciple who's, who he calls his son in the Lord, and that is Timothy. Now I want you to understand that, that sometimes when you read the Bible, you have to read it in light of certain things. That you have to know the background, you have to know what is going on when somebody writes something down in the Bible. Now last week when I preached on Nehemiah's wall, we, we read the background on that was that, that they were in Babylonian captivity. And you wouldn't understand why that Jerusalem had been destroyed had you not known that. And 2 Timothy is no different because you have to understand that this is the last thing that the Apostle Paul wrote down. The Apostle Paul wrote 13 epistles in our New Testament. Some of the, most of church doctrine comes out of Paul's writings. And his final instructions to his young disciple is what we're about to read in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. So you, if you'll stand to honor the reading of God's word. If you're there in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, say amen for me. Paul says to Timothy, he says, I charge thee therefore before God... And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. He says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and she'll be turned unto fables. He says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your wonderful word. God, I thank you for this instruction that the Apostle Paul gives us this morning. God, I just pray that you would, Lord, use your word to speak to people this morning. 
God, that we would come with, with a heart, Lord, to receive your word, that we would be receptive of everything that you say. Lord, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel this morning. Nothing will be accomplished, God, unless the Holy Spirit does it. No man can work it up. No church can do anything good enough. But, God, it takes the anointing power of the Holy Ghost. And I just pray that you would move this morning. God, touch people with your word. And if anybody's lost, God, I just pray that you would save them. God, I praise you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I kind of Did I throw you off with talking about the Apostle Paul being in prison? Did anybody know who that was right off? I like to read prison stories, but Paul had a very unique story, didn't he? And that he was in prison for what we would say, he, he was innocent, wouldn't we? We would say that he didn't do anything wrong, that, he didn't, that, that there was no wrongdoing in his life. In fact, he lived a very righteous life. The apostle Paul went and he helped people and he did so many things and he started churches. But yet the Roman government saw that he had committed a crime and so they duly punished him for doing right. And we find him here in prison, and not only is he in prison, but, but most Bible scholars believe that, that, that when Paul wrote this letter, that he was probably just a few weeks or a few days from being executed. He knew that his time was drawing short. He knew that, 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 that the, the hourglass was just about to run out of sand in his life. And at this point, he sat down with his pen and paper in hand, and he says, hey, I need to write some final instructions to Timothy. Now, a lot of people on their deathbed, when they're, when they're laying there and they know that, they're, 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 that death is imminent, that death is nigh, they start thinking about themselves, don't they? They start thinking about, hey, what, if, what have I done? But the Apostle Paul, no, he said, I'm going to start thinking of others. He was thinking about the church that he had started at Ephesus that Timothy was the pastor of. Paul started a church and left Timothy in charge, and so he's going to leave Timothy with just a few thoughts this morning and, and we know we read these thoughts and I'm not going to really go over them much but he says I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ he said to do a few certain things he said Timothy I'm telling you that this is a serious matter that you do this he says preach the word he says he said give them the doctrine he says tell them the truth he said even though they're not going to listen to the truth even though they don't want to hear the truth he said tell them the truth anyways and you know why he told Timothy to tell the truth and to preach the word and to endure all these things? He said it in the light of the fact that if he did that, that he could get to the end of his life just like Paul did and he would not regret the life that he lived. I'm going to preach this morning about living a life without regret. Living a life without regret. A real smart man named John Phillips said this. He says, what a man says... When he knows his days and perhaps even his hours are few is always noteworthy because last words often best reveal a man as he really is. Your last words reveal who you really are. See, I'm afraid that sometimes in life we, we spend too much time trying to put on a front, don't we, Brother Gary? We spend too much time trying to make people believe that we're someone that we're really not. And that we're doing things that we're really not and that we're living a life that we didn't live. But when you get to the end of your life and that your, more, your mortality is more certain than it has ever been, just like for the Apostle Paul here, you start coming to grips with some things. 
Now, I've never been that close to death. I, I, I think I've escaped death a few times, probably driving through traffic and, and some crazy person pulls out in front of me. And, and some of you have probably been close to death, have you not? And some of you in here, I, I don't know everybody's life, but some of you may have even laid on and been in what you thought was, was your deathbed, where you thought, I'm probably not going to make it home from this situation that I'm in. And when you get in that situation, you start thinking about it and start mulling over in your mind, what, what has your life been? James tells us that our life is a vapor, right? He tells us that we're just here for a short time and then it's all just going to pass away. That we just have a short time. And the Apostle Paul, he wasn't meeting death because he was an old person or because he was sick. He was going to meet death at the, at the hand of an executioner. See, the Roman state executioner's block was about to become an altar for the Apostle Paul because he was about to be offered and he was about to be sent to heaven as a martyr. And Paul, as he's, as he, as he's this is obviously looming in his mind, I want you to understand that the Apostle Paul was sitting in a nasty, terrible, awful prison. These prisons that we have today, they're, they're probably pretty nice compared to what the Apostle Paul had. He was essentially sitting in the equivalent of a sewer before he went up to be executed. And not only that, but he was chained to two Roman soldiers, one on either side of him. Because when, you were, when your life was in, in this situation, when you were about to be executed, they wanted to make well sure that you didn't get away. And so he's chained up and he's sitting there with these Roman soldiers knowing that in any moment the executioner could come and say, Paul, it's your time to go. It's your time to go out here and to lay your neck on this block and have it just done away with. And Paul's sitting there thinking about that. And he grabs his pen and paper and he starts writing to Timothy. And so in light of that, I want you to think about what would you be thinking about if it was your final day? If today you went home and you laid down in your bed and that was the last time you were able to get up. You know, our mortality can be that close. Did you know that? That death is always can be that close to us. And as I got to studying the sermon, as I got to looking into it, I, I was researching. And, and apparently, I didn't know this until I started looking at this, that there's a lot of, of research put into people dying. Did you know that? You know why? Because it's a real popular thing. Did you know that? Death, death is it's not real popular for people, but it happens a lot, doesn't it? It's real popular for the funeral homes, isn't it? They, they make a good chunk of money off of it. But a lot of, a lot of research has been put into this. And so these, these companies and these polls, and they, they started asking people, and asking people in, that were in hospice care, and on their deathbed, they said, what do you regret about your life? Now, how would you like it if you were laying there on your deathbed and somebody walked in and said, Hey, what do you wish you could change? Kind of make me mad, wouldn't it, you? That somebody walks in there. But people started answering them, and they started getting, getting these answers. And one of the top things that people said is that they wish that they had spent more time with the people they loved. People said, If I had it to do over, if I could do my life over again, I would have spent more time with my loved ones. I would have had more time with my kids and, and my parents and all this. And, and, and no doubt in my mind, I think of my mom. She died prematurely. She died early. And I think to myself sometimes, I wish I would have had more time with her. And some of you think that even, even though you've got plenty of life left. And the next thing they said is that they wish they had worried less. 
<laughs> Too late then, right? They wish they had worried less. Here's a real good one. They wish that they would have forgiven more people. I, I think of a man right now in my mind, and he was a deacon in a free will Baptist church, so he had to be an upstanding citizen, didn't he, Brother Charlie? <laughs> Somebody got a kick out of that. I heard you. <laughs> But this man, he was he was a deacon in a free will Baptist church, and and he was he was he had COPD, and he was on oxygen, and and he kind of knew his life was drawing to an end, and he knew it was coming, and and he was just like just like that, he was at home and he was laying on his bed, and the doctor he had went to the doctor, and the doctor said you just got a few days to live, and so he got back home, and what did he start doing? He started having having his wife and his family call people so that he could apologize to them. He, and he would call people and they would come and he even had to call some of his own grandkids in and some people that he hadn't seen in a long time. And he laid there on his deathbed and he swallowed his pride and he said, I'm sorry for what I did. Or he said, I forgive you for what you did to me. Maybe it was the grandkids, they had, they had nickled him, dimed him to death. And, and you know, some of you that have grandkids that do that to you. And, and you get mad at them and you get angry with them. And, and he invited his grandkids and he says, I'm sorry. Why did he do that? Because he knew that, that death was nigh. Death was imminent. It, it was coming to him. And the people said that I wish I would have forgiven more people, and, and surely you know somebody that's done that too, got to their deathbed and started making phone calls, started hitting up the phone. Here's another good one. I, I like this one. It says, I wish I would have been more honest. Well, as a preacher, I wish you'd have been more honest too. Amen? And then the last one is, is something that a lot of people deal with. It says, I wish I had worked less. I wish that, that I hadn't spent so much time at the job, and, and that one goes right back to the first one. I wish I'd have spent more time with my family. A lot of people are workaholics. Did you know that? Did you know that can be a sin? I believe people ought to work. I, I believe that with all my heart. But there comes a point where your work becomes a God to you. Is everybody alive this morning? Say amen. This is heavy stuff, isn't it? But it needs to be preached. And so Paul... He's sitting here and he tells Timothy all these things. He says, preach the word. He says, be instant in season, out of season. He says, sometimes you're going to have to endure afflictions. And Paul had done every one of these things. The reason that he could charge Timothy to do these things is because he had already done them himself. He had already done these things. He had already preached the word. Paul had endured afflictions. Paul had went through more than any of us can ever imagine. It says three times that he received 39 stripes because the Jews thought 40 stripes would kill a person. So they only gave him 39 three different times. He had been shipwrecked. He had, all these things happened to him. And he says, Timothy, he says, you do the same thing that I did. You preach the word. You endure those things. And then he goes on to say this, and here's the message this morning. Here's the sermon. Here is how you can live a life with no regrets. Because I would hate to be staring the executioner in the face knowing that my time was drawing short and I was sitting there in a jail cell chained to some Roman soldiers thinking, man, I wish that I would have done this differently. But it's too late, so you better do it now, amen? And Paul is sitting here and, and he says to Timothy, he says that, 
like this. And I believe this is what Paul said. He said, Timothy, he said, I don't have any regrets. Paul said, I laid it all out there for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that he said that because of this. Verse number 6, turn your attention to verse number 6. Paul says this. This is how that you can tell that he had no regrets. As he says, because for now, I am ready to be offered. Now that takes a brave person. You see that word right there, offered? Offered. Remember what I said about the executioner's block become, become an altar that day? Paul said, I'm ready to be offered. He said, and the time of my departure is at hand. He may have wrote that down as, as he heard them coming down the hall. I don't know. But he said, the time of my departure is at hand. And then Paul says three things, and these are the three points this morning, straight from the Word of God. Here is how you can live a life with no regrets. Right here, if you, if you write in your Bible, circle these verses, underline them, highlight them, whatever it is, be sure that you memorize these next few verses. What the Apostle Paul said is the key to living a life without regret. Number one, he says this. He says, I have fought a good fight. He said, I have fought a good fight. Paul said that, that I have done all that I can to fight for the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked last week, and I talk all the time that this, this life is a constant battle. That everywhere you turn, there's, there's always, it seems like Satan is going to be attacking you. That the forces of evil are going to be attacking you. And, and when, when a good thing happens, it seems like ten bad things happen. Why? Because Satan, we're always under attack. The Apostle Paul was absolutely the same as that. The Jews were constantly attacking Paul. From every side they were trying to kill him. At one point they had hunted him down. They had cornered him. And Paul had to be led out of a city down the side of a city wall in a basket so that he could escape with his life. People hated him. He was a very polarizing figure. He was one of those guys that you either loved him or you hated him. There was no middle ground with the Apostle Paul. He wasn't a people pleaser. He wasn't there to make your day. He was there to tell you the truth, tell you what thus saith God, and, and, and give his revelation from Jesus to preach the word, and people hated him for it. He, this, this wasn't the first time when, when he was at the executioner's axe that he had faced death. So many times he had faced death. But Paul said this. He said, I have fought a good fight. He said, I'm not ashamed of the way that I have fought the battle. He said, I gave everything that I had in being a good soldier for Jesus Christ. He said, I gave everything. If you read it and just flip over a few pages, you don't have to. But Paul charged Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Paul says this. He says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who God hath chosen him to be a soldier. Paul often referred to himself as a soldier or referred to others as a soldier. And no doubt that was an easy illusion to make because he was chained to a soldier. And he looked over at these soldiers and he saw the fight that they were fighting for the Roman government would, would eventually come to naught. It would come to an end. But Paul said, I have fought a good fight, and that fight had eternal consequences. That fight that, that I was fighting, it, had, it came out and, and benefited people for eternity. 
Paul went out every day with an attitude of a soldier and said, Today, I'm going to do my job as a soldier for the Lord Jesus Christ. He woke up every morning and he put on his armor that he refers to in Ephesians chapter 6. Again, the Apostle Paul alluding to a Christian being a soldier. And he says every day that you and I, we have to get up and we have to put on the helmet of salvation. We have to put on the, the breastplate of righteousness. We have to, to gird ourselves with the truth and put on the, the shoes of the furtherance of the gospel and take up the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. And every day when we go out into the world, we face a battle. And it seems like sometimes we lose that battle, don't it? Have you ever laid down at night sometimes and you just thought, well, I kind of lost today. Something happened in my life and, and a situation came up and, and I didn't do maybe what I should have as a Christian. I didn't defend my Savior like I should have or I didn't spread the gospel like I should have. But Paul said, no, that wasn't me. He said, I have fought a good fight. He laid it all on the line. Every day that the Apostle Paul woke up, he woke up with this attitude that he was willing to die for God that day. Paul said that every day in Galatians chapter 2, he said that, that every day he said, I mortify the deeds of my flesh. He said that I'm ready to go every single day and we should have that attitude too. If you don't want to regret your life, if you don't want to look back at yourself and say, man, I wish I would have done this differently, you know what you have to do? Number one, you have to fight a good fight. You don't have to be the best soldier but give everything that you have. Give everything, lay it all on the line every day and fight a good fight. Number two, Paul says this. Just read on with me. He says, I have fought a good fight. And then he says this, I have finished my course. Paul said that I have finished my course. Paul's two favorite examples to use in Scripture, all through Scripture, were number one, a soldier, and number two, a runner. Because everywhere that Paul went in ancient Roman society, you saw soldiers and you saw athletes. Romans loved their games, just like Americans loved their football and their baseball and their basketball and all these sports. Romans loved to go down to the amphitheaters and they loved to watch sport. They loved to watch the runners run and, and the, the people fight each other and the gladiators kill the slaves. And, and they loved all of this. And the Apostle Paul, everywhere he went, he saw that the Romans just worship running. Any of you in here like to run? Because I sure don't. <laughs> I'm not much of a runner. I got from about here to the back door, and after that, I'm done. But anyways, but Paul says, I have finished my course. Paul looked at his life every day when he woke up, just the same as when he's putting on his armor. He says, this life is a course. He said, in the finish line is death. But see, on the other side, there's more on the other side of the finish line. But the finish line for this life is death. See, we don't ever, in this life, we do not attain or obtain until we, until we get to the end of life. We have to run this course every single day. And your course, you must understand this, the course that you run is different from everybody else's course. Because none of us live the same life, do we? That is absolutely impossible. Me and my wife, we are married. We're the two closest people in the world to each other because we live in the same house and all these things. We eat from the same uh, skillets and all that. We do all these things together, but yet we're still running a different course. 
Her life is different from mine. I like to look at it like this, that whatever course you're running is the will of God for your life. That God has given each and every person in this room today, He's given you a course to run. Now you don't always know where that course is going. That course, it's not a circle. It's, it's a line that way. It's a line in, in one direction. And God said that, that you're running, or Paul said that you're running toward the finish line every single day. He said in Hebrews chapter 12 that there's going to be hindrances, that there's going to be weights, that there's going to be all these things going against you. But Paul said, even though I had all those things going against me, he said, I have finished my course. See, what I'm afraid of in churches today, what I'm afraid of in individual lives today is that people are way off course. That people are not on the right course. In fact, some people may not have even gotten on course yet. They may not even be on the course. Every day you need to wake up and you need to ask God, God, what would you have me to do today? Lord, what's your will for my life? God has an overarching will for your life. He has the ultimate will for your life, if you will, the supreme will. His supreme will for my life, I know, is for me to preach the gospel. I'm absolutely confident of that. And when I, got, when I came to terms with that and came to grips with that, it, it made my life a little bit easier it, because I wasn't running and I wasn't trying to go against God and I wasn't trying to veer off course. And once God got me on course, then it started getting easier. And God's will it, it's, it for your life may be totally different than mine. But no matter where the course takes you, no matter where the race is being run, you must understand that we have to finish the course. That we have to stay the course. And Paul said that I have finished what God put me here to do. It was not an accident that the Apostle Paul was on that Damascus road that day. It, was not, it wasn't that just God just looked down and said, Oh, there's a guy, I think I'll take him. I believe that when the Apostle Paul was conceived in his mother's womb, that God looked at him and he said, This man is going to take my gospel to the Gentiles. And he looked at you when you were in your mother's womb and he said, this is my will for their life. If you wonder why Christians are miserable, if you wonder why things aren't going so well, I think it's that, that I have solved part of the problem. It's because people are out of the will of God. You will, not, you will, you will have many regrets, I guarantee it, when you get to your deathbed if you weren't in the will of God. I heard a story about, about an 80 or 90 year old man on his deathbed and he was a Christian. He had went to church all of his life and he was laying there on his deathbed and he, and he pulled somebody close to him and he said, you know what? He said, I have not fulfilled God's will for my life. He said, God called me to preach when I was a young man and I refused it and I have been a miserable person ever since. And I thought, my, wouldn't that be a terrible thing to live 50, 60, 70 years knowing that you're out of the will of God? Knowing that you're not on God's course that he has called you to be on. That's a way to live with regrets, isn't it? If you want to live a life with no regrets, he says, finish your course. There's another example of somebody finishing their course in the Bible too. His name is Jesus. Jesus came and he had a course to run. And you know where that course led? Straight to the cross of Calvary. And when Jesus was about to die after he had taken the vinegar... He said this in John chapter 19, verse number 30. And it says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, 
What did he say? It is finished. You think he could have said, I have finished my course? I've done what God told me to do, and that was to die for the sins of the world. Here I am. It's finished. It says, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. When I'm coming to the end of my life, and I may not know when that is. You know, it could happen quickly. It could be a long, drawn-out process. But I would love to be able to say that I have fought a good fight and I have finished my course. That I have done what God called me to do. That I have given my very best for the Lord. But Paul said one more thing. And it's right there in verse number 7. After he says that he had fought a good fight and he finished his course. He says I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. Sometimes I'm sure it was hard for him to do that. He was ridiculed. He was mocked. He was, he was run out of town several times. Tried to be killed. But yeah, he said, I kept the faith. He would later write, if you believe that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews 10, 23, he said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And why do we do that? Because he is faithful that promised. See, part of it is you, you can fight all you want to. You can run all you want to. But it really all boils down to, are you keeping the faith? Where is your faith, number one, is the question you have to ask yourself. Is your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or is it in things of this world? Paul said that the faith that he was keeping, he was, he was keeping it on the Lord. He had his faith in God. If he hadn't had his faith in the right place, he wouldn't have been able to run the race. Did you know that? He wouldn't have been able to fight the fight every day had he not had the faith. Because his faith is what drove him. His faith in God is what empowered him to be able to go every single day and carry the gospel to people that sometimes did not want to hear it. And he would go into places that were hostile. And yet he said, I have kept the faith. He said, I didn't waver from it. I didn't, I didn't turn from it. He said that, that I've held fast to my profession of faith. I like what he said in Hebrews. He said, let us... Hold fast to our profession of faith. Paul was telling Timothy that. And Timothy no doubt could have stopped right there and said, Amen. Boy, Paul kept the faith. I would say that when that letter got to Timothy, that Paul's life was over. That, that mail traveled slow back then, I'm assuming. And when that letter got there, that Timothy looked at the letter and looked at the last words of his mentor, and maybe he pinned that letter to the wall. I don't know what he did with it. And he said, now I have to fight a good fight. Now I have to finish my course. And most importantly, Timothy said, and I have to keep the faith. So many people, these, these people that they polled, a lot of them were no doubt not Christians because of the things that they said. See, they were too worried about the things of this life. 
when, when death is imminent, eventually you're going to start thinking about your soul, aren't you? It's pretty natural. I always jokingly tell people that there's two times that people want a preacher in their life, and that's to marry you and to bury you. They say, is that, is that about the, the long and short of it, Brother Gary? All the rest of the time, we can kind of stay to ourselves. Preacher, you just go do your thing in the church, and I'm going to live my life. But so many times, I've, uh, several times in my, in my ministry, especially when I was pastoring down at Taylor's Providence, they would, they would call me and they would say, Preacher, you got to come now. This, this so-and-so's dying. And I would say, Who? And they would say, well, you know, he don't, he don't come to church here, but you're the community pastor, so you better come quick. And they would be laying there, and they would start asking questions. And you could tell that these people had lived a life that was not of the Bible. They, they had lived contrary to the Word of God. And these people were laying there, and they would have given every last dime that they had to be able to change it. But they couldn't. It was it. Paul, I don't think he could have bought his way out of this. And he knew that that axe was, was, was being sharpened for his execution. And he said, I don't have regrets. And each one of us in here, we're going to face death one of these days. The end of our life, it's coming if the Lord tarries. We're going to face death. And I don't want anybody in this room that heard this sermon this morning to say, I regret this. And I wish I would have done that differently. My, I wish I would have done this and that. If only I had more time. Well, guess what? If you're breathing this morning, if you're sitting in this, in this sanctuary, you've got a chance right now. You've got an opportunity right now. Why not seize the opportunity to do something while you still can? Think about your soul as, as a lost person. I, I would not put it off another day because if you do, you'll regret it eventually. You may not regret it until you face hell's flames, but you will regret it, I promise you. I don't want to live a life of regret. I don't want to live a life of wish I hads and could have and may haves and might haves, should haves, but didn't. I don't want that to be us. I don't want that to be this church. I don't want that to be anybody's testimony in this room. And Paul said, if you're going to do that, he said, you have to fight your fight, run your course, and keep the faith. And if you can do that, you can live without regret. Everybody stand and bow your heads. Sister Connie, come to the piano this morning. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes for just a moment. The invitation's open. The altar's sitting here. If you need to come to the altar, I encourage you to come this morning. If you're living a life of regret right now, if something in this sermon has struck a chord with you, I encourage you this morning to take care of that while you still can. Maybe you're not fighting the fight that you should. Maybe you're not running the course as you should. Maybe you're out of the will of God this morning. Or Lord forbid, you, you're not keeping the faith. Maybe you don't even have the faith to keep. If that's you this morning, here's your opportunity. Here it is. 
You don't have to wait for a better day. You don't have to wait for a more convenient time. Here's the opportunity today. 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 God, I love you. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, this has been a sermon that, that has some heavy, some heavy stuff in it. And God, as your word went out, Lord, I just pray that it would penetrate hearts right now. God, that you would just deal with people. Lord, deal with lost people, but God, deal with your church too. God, let people know that this, this is not a joke, that this is a very serious thing. And that we should be ready to die. That we should not have a regret when it comes that time. Just as the Apostle Paul didn't have any regrets. God, I just pray that you would move on these people this morning. God, help us every single day of our life. God, we put our trust in you this morning to move on lives. Because, God, if we try to do it on our own, Lord, we can't run the race. We can't fight the fight. We can't keep the faith. But only through you. God, I pray that you would touch people this morning. God, we praise you. We thank you. It's in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you need to come, we've got some on the altar. Come join them. There's plenty of room up here. This whole stage is an altar now. Plenty of room for you to come and make things right with God. people are maybe dealing with some things this morning if that's you come don't 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 worry about what people think it doesn't matter what people think if that's you this morning step out step out in faith ask God to help you to fight a fight to run a race and to keep the faith song that she's playing this morning it says are you ready are you ready for that day brother Cecil come lead us in this song brother. people in this sermon, in this service this morning need to hear this sermon. Just a few. Be honest with yourself and don't regret it later. Are you ready?